0: I think I did a pretty good job with that. I, I recently read uh, something from a really successful uh, speaker who, who was talking about how your success is directly correlated to the amount of people that you know, yeah. and like can call up and, yeah. and you know, either. Especially in
1: this day and age. I mean like the term, it's not what you know, it's who you know, yeah. like that is so prevalent. Yeah. Because I mean, there is like, especially in college sports, the amount of successful people that are in and around a, a big time program, I'm not just talking about coaches, but like just supporters of the program. Yeah, 100%. This is Grant Furking, host of the Invest in You podcast by On3Sports. As a president of NILU, we are here to give student-athletes tips and advice they need to succeed both on and off the field. We see NIL as an opportunity to expedite both life and business skills by five to ten years. We thank you again for following along as we help athletes navigate the new frontier of name, image, and likeness. Welcome in to another episode of the Invest in You show. I am Grant Furking, your host, president of NILU. We are live today from the Outsider Studios. So honored to be joined by Mr. Andrew East, who is a resident here in Nashville. That's right. He's going to be talking to us today about how he's built his brand, his career as a professional athlete, married to Sean Johnson East, Olympic athlete. So we have a lot to get into. I want you to just start off by talking about your journey as an athlete from high school, how you got recruited into your NFL days, and kind of where things stand now.
0: Well, appreciate you having me, Grant. It's good yeah. to meet you. Uh, I am a Vandy guy though, mm. and I know you play at UT, mm. so there's a little bit of bad Game's blood coming out. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And given the last ten years, man, I like Vandy's odds. Is all I'm saying. Damn. But uh, that that can't happen again. <laughs> it can't happen we'll for, see. For, for the we'll state see. of Tennessee as a whole. It can Yeah. I don't know, I'm excited. But uh, the way I got to Vandy, I was not by any means a highly recruited uh, athlete coming out of high school. I went to uh, North Central High School in Indianapolis. We're part of a really good conference up there. Carmel is like a big powerhouse high school up there. Ben Davis, Warren, all these schools would have like 10 to 20 D1 scholarship athletes coming out. Wow. And so we would play all these teams and get dominated. Yeah. I think the highest, Number of wins I had in one year was like three, but anyway. So I, uh, my and my coach didn't really know the the recruiting world. So we'd get letters, and I decided my junior year, the summer after my junior year, that I was like, "No one's gonna make this happen. No one's gonna make my dream of playing Division One football got to have happen." To yeah, yeah. I was like, "I have to do this myself because my coach isn't doing anything." And did you always want to play? It was my dream, man. From the age of eight, I would always draw myself as an NFL player. I was a big Colts guy, and so I would just make these drawings. That's what I thought about all the time. My dad played at Purdue, and so he had his helmet that would sit around the house. And I have—I'm uh, the middle of five kids. There's four boys and a girl, so we'd always kind of like you know wear it and pretend play football. And uh, yeah, so I had been playing football since I was. Or since I was Eight, I think, is, is, was my first year. But that summer after my junior year, I found every uh, email address for special teams coaches for all the D1 schools, so it's 120, yeah. whatever it oh, is, yeah. and shot them an email with my like highlight tape. Um, Huddle? Which, I don't I didn't even know if Huddle was going back. I think it was a YouTube video YouTube. Like back in the it. day. Uh, which coincidentally now that's like, yeah, you, yeah, right? yeah. So it started with YouTube and yeah. it ended with YouTube and but it's still going. Yeah. And my high school tape is still up. It's still up on YouTube. So anyway, I reached out and like introduced myself, tried to just get in front of them. And then we did a bunch of summer camps. So I went to Stanford, uh, Vanderbilt, went to like ball state. I was, I was going to accept any division one offer I got, yeah. uh, whether it was from Bowling Green or, or Alabama. Um, so anyway, uh, I still had no offer so I played my senior year had a pretty good year Uh, and my brother who's a year older than me ended up playing division three football at Wheaton College and so come signing day uh, I was just banking on playing Wheaton football with with my brother but uh, I I had an offer from Princeton I think was my biggest offer and I still I was like I don't think that's the play there's like a new coach and i don't know it was, it was uh interesting situation yeah, Ivy i league football is unique yeah it's different it's like there's different. no scholarships yeah and, but
1: and just like it's like the hundredth most important thing going on on that campus on right, saturday right. right i mean no one cares like right. what's going on in the engineering buildings a lot more important yeah but also like you had to have just been like i'll take it like if you had nothing on the table like it's d1
0: yeah no i i think it was a pride issue where i was like I want a full scholarship. Yeah, I want. Like, but a honestly, like in,
1: like in special teams, like full scholarships are hard to come by, especially like. So I played kicker. linebacker,
0: Grant. Uh, I did play linebacker. That's how I was getting recruited, and then it was after. Uh, so you then moved? <laughs> yeah, to Longstaffer. But that's. But
1: were you long... were you were you emailing all the special teams coaches?
0: Yeah, I knew that was my best shot. So, oh, so that's knew, what you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so turns out so you, you were planning this out. You're gonna. You, a, oh, you had I...
1: a pre-planned position change.
0: So yeah, I yeah I it. did. I was I like it. I was like this is my best chance. And yeah. so why don't I just like that is still accomplishing my dream of getting yeah, a scholarship. Right. So why don't we do that? So anyway, come April, you know most most athletes had decided where they're going. Most students at that point know where they're going to college that next fall. I didn't, but I get a call randomly from the Vanderbilt head coach at the time, Bobby Johnson. He was like, hey, do you, do you want to play football at Vanderbilt? And I was like, is this, like, are you giving me a scholarship? And he was like, yeah, we have a, we have an open scholarship open. Um, because there's a guy, Rajon Bennett, who was Vandy's like highest rated recruit of all time, uh, running back out of Atlanta had this tragic accident where he passed away defending his brother, Mm. like in this, um, kind of domestic dispute. And so anyway, because that happened, my dream of a, like D1 scholarship opened up. So it was like this real kind of wild mix of emotions, but I stepped into campus and didn't know anybody, didn't know my recruiting class like, like you probably did at, at UT, but uh, that's how I ended up at Vandy, and then, yeah, it got better and better from there. Did you enjoy your experience at Vandy? It was wild. I, like freshman year, I don't know. How, how was your freshman year at UT? So that's, you remember Butch Jones. Yeah. So that, <laughs> he was, that's
1: who recruited me. Yeah. So I'm on my third staff. Yeah. So I've been through it all. Yeah. Like, I've seen every coaching style, like, everything that's from, like, ADs getting fired. Like, there's a point, my freshman year, we didn't have a head coach, we didn't have an AD, and we didn't have a chancellor. Crazy. Like, we, it was, like, the 125 guys
0: on the team, like, we were organizing our own workouts. Is that because Vandy kept beating you, you think? Yeah, probably. It's, yeah. <laughs> so, not to one-up you, that's but where I we will. Were. I had four coaches in five years. I had Bobby Johnson recruited me, then he retired in July. What year was that? 2010. 2010. So then Robbie Caldwell yeah. took over, then James Franklin, then Derek Mason. And James so. Franklin, that was, I mean, y'all had success. Yeah. We off a couple of nine-win seasons? Yeah, we did. Bowl games? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to Man. three bowl games. You're at the time. peak of Vandy football. <laughs> no, the peak is yet to come. Oh, had, but, oh, yeah. go. <laughs> so you were here, and you did four years or five years? I did five years, yeah. Five took, years. I took a retro my freshman year, uh, and... I enjoyed my time there more and more as, uh, as time passed. And you kind of settle in. Yeah. Like you're, this is your last year of UT, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, grad school now.
0: Yeah. What are you going to school for?
1: Uh, so I'm a supply chain, and then I'm doing management
0: leadership right now. Nice. Very cool. But you did engineering? En- engineering, and then I got my MBA, too. Okay. So, man, I feel like that's a massive missed opportunity for athletes. Yeah. Of like you redshirt and they're like oh let me just spread my four year college out into five years yeah like, like take no, less classes second degree bro you gotta get after it
1: while they're paying for it and now like this year like you have a redshirt year and you have a COVID year it's crazy Six years. dude yeah I mean yeah. that's unique yeah and that's sure. the thing like guys do like they're just like man I can screw around and like you're there in the summer yeah like and you have to take classes now to be eligible so. Like, you can, you can honestly get your degree done in like, three, three and a half.
0: Yeah. And I would. I mean, it's, it's probably worth taking a half a day if you're in college right now as an athlete and literally looking at the, uh, the classes that you need to take to graduate and scheduling out, like, because, you know, you can't take all the classes in right. one semester. But, but scheduling out, this is what I did because I was like, okay, I realized that I had the opportunity to get a graduate degree paid for. And so I sat down and planned all my classes for the next three years after mm. my sophomore year. And I was like, this is, this is how I can cram in. I'll take 18 hours this semester. It's going to be 17 this semester. And then I'll make it to grad school. And then uh, it worked out. Like, it worked out. And I would do it the exact same way if I had a second chance. But So you went. And
1: so what was next after you got your MBA?
0: Um, so I was... Uh, CBS Sports had me ranked as the the highest uh, ranked long snapper in my class, which I don't even know what that means, really. (laughs) Um, But I was was in conversation with the Patriots, who I thought were going to draft me, and the Chiefs. I ended up getting picked up in free agency by the Chiefs, and I was like, oh, sweet, I'll be playing here for the next 10 years of my life, and then I can retire after that and call it a day. But I got cut after three months uh, (laughs) and moved back to Nashville to train, and there's this really weird period where are you planning on trying to make the pros? No, no. no? Yeah, I'm just yeah, straight into the straight into the business world. Yeah, yeah,' it's, it's a probably a safer route, but it started this whole journey of me just traveling like weekly to to try out for teams, sign with teams. I ended up signing with eight or nine different pro teams, including You're all over the place. I was all over the place, yeah, yeah. And uh, ended up after five years making my dream of playing in a regular regular season NFL game happen. Uh, that was 2018 or 2019 with the with the Washington football team, but uh, in that period is kind of when we started our social media. Yeah. And that took on its its a life of its own and been a blast.
1: The league is so cutthroat. Yeah. And your goal was to go and play, right? Like you were yeah. set on NFL. Yeah. Right. I want you to just touch on what that experience is like. Like you're literally coming to work and like you're sent home, done. You got to go either. Find another team, to give you another shot, or life starts. And you having two degrees, like you were set up for success either way. Like you went, you finished your degree, but like there's so many guys out there, and like we talk about it all the time, that you know, they wanna go to the league, they're like, man, three years, I'm out of here, boom. I mean, we sat in team rooms, they're like, hey, who wants to go play in the league? Every single guy raises their hand. Yeah. I can, in my five years, of all your playing, I can two, maybe three guys that are still in the league now, Yeah. But every single one of those guys said they were going to the league. And they think that's reality. Right. But I want you to talk about, like, developing a plan after football and, like, not knowing that, like, the league is great, but, like, the amount of guys that make money that set them up for life is, like, very, very, very minimal.
0: Yeah, it's a fine balance because the NFL is an industry where you have to go all in, yeah. and you sh- you cannot have a plan B, which I really struggled with, because I always was trying to like hedge my bets and be like, hey, well, if I get cut, then at least I'll have this going simultaneously, right? But the NFL doesn't allow you to do that. so um, Just from a time, what you have to pour into it? Yeah, it's like you, you really have to be, it's a, it's a it's profession. Your, it's your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 like you don't want you sh- shouldn't be probably right. double dipping, as I was trying to do. Um, so balancing that with the realization that you're completely at the mercy of whatever circumstances, or whatever coach, or whatever you know injuries happen, um, and try not to. If if your NFL career ends or your football career ends, have nothing set up for you right. outside of that. So it is it is tough, and I don't know what the right answer is, but I'm I, I feel like I'm fortunate to have accomplished my goal, which is just playing a game, but also have set a foundation for things outside of football and I think I think this is where a lot of a lot of people get maybe confused or, or off base where they they try to jump um they try to jump bases where they'll see like hey I want to be like Grant right and I want to start my own business which you've done a great job doing uh and so they'll just kind of like but they'll assume that they'll have the success that you've had immediately yeah. when you've been doing it for right how many years
1: since fifteen years old. And that's when I started my first one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but it takes time, right? It Takes time. And I think but, that's and how that's you... the thing
1: too. Like people, like especially in this generation, like everyone wants to have it. They want to put it on their social media. They want to do this. They want to do that. But like nobody wants to work for it now. Like mm-hmm. they don't see like getting to the mountaintop. And I'm not saying I've been at the mountaintop, but like building a successful business, making it to the NFL. Like a lot of kids don't want to put in the work to get there. But they want to get there. Yeah. And I don't I don't know what that is, but you have to invest in your craft. Like you have to be passionate about it. And I I think like you have a lot of kids that like really want to play ball, love it, but like maybe they're not passionate about it. And so they get burned out. Yeah. But like you're talking like have a plan, like develop something. And your best time to do that. Is when you're in college. Yeah, I mean you're doing the same things that you're doing when you're a professional athlete—having to eat right, workouts, six a.m. going to treatment. But you actually have people pushing you to go do those things. Like you have nutritionists telling you to go eat. Yeah. They're forcing you to go work out. Like when you're in the league on your own, like it's on you to work out and eat right and live right. Yeah. And if you don't, you're gonna show up out of shape and you'll get cut. Yeah. And and when you're in college, like you actually have the time, you have the resources to double dip, right? Because yeah. you're you're a student athlete. And you have all those resources to use. And I just think so many student-athletes throw that away. They, yeah. they're, they're in these prestigious universities, have all the resources in the world, and then go and, you know, are, are rushing to get out of there because they think the league's the greatest thing in the world, and they're going to spend 10, 15 years and make $200 million. And it's just not reality. Right. And, and you saw that firsthand, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Not big time. Yeah, I, I do think there's a, a massive missed opportunity of – like when you're playing at an SEC school for for sure, like a Vandy or UT, you have so many opportunities to meet cool people or get exposure to like how elite teams operate. But you don't really appreciate that uh, until you're out of it. And then it's like, there's this lack of the structure the discipline or the coaching. and uh, And it's difficult to like, then try to go back and and make that happen yourself, but i, I again I, I just think taking a step back every once in a while, like if you're a student athlete and thinking, "Hey, you know what this is cool i I really enjoy my daily workout, and that's helpful for me and so when I 'm done with football i'm gonna like I'm gonna continue to do that yeah. or I really enjoy like the structured meals because that was something that i and you're about to maybe step into this, but like leaving the scenario of people telling you what to do all the time. And then trying to like structure your own life. Just put it's, it up it's, to follow. Yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big gap, but anyway, yeah. Did
1: you really take advantage of the opportunity to network with a lot of people in and around Bandy, connections wise, donors, people that came and talked to you? Because like I, I that's another huge thing that, you know, we talk about all the resources these guys have at these big time schools, whether it's donors, people in the, the business college, engineering college, uh, you know, people that donate a ton of money to the school, like, would chomp at the bit to go and, like, support student-athletes in any way. And now with NIL, they can. Local yeah. businesses, donors can support athletes by, by doing something in return. Did you take advantage of that and, and network with a lot of people to set you up long-term after your days were over?
0: Yeah, I think I did a pretty good job with that. I, I recently read uh, something from a really successful uh, speaker who, who was talking about how your success is directly correlated to the amount of people that you know yeah. and like can call up and yeah. and you know either especially
1: in this day and age i mean like the term it's not what you know it's who you know yeah like that is so prevalent yeah because i mean it. like especially in college sports the amount of successful people that are in and around a, a big time program i'm not just talking about coaches but like just supporters of the program yeah 100 percent. like it's still like their greatest thing to go and cheer on their team every saturday and go and just like talk to one of the the players for 30 minutes and and get an autograph for their son. Like they love that. Yeah. But, but it just, it pains me to see guys that like don't want to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah. I think, I, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that and where like, you and I probably were uh, like our parents probably showed us how to, you know, shake hands and and be polite. Right. Like, which unfortunately is not always the case, but I, I got into business school because of, um, a connection I had made in the football team yeah. and he wrote my letter of recommendation. Yeah. And, you know, like you just, I, at the church I go to like huge Vanny supporters. So it's like, it's just, there are, there are so many people to meet um, and to, to interact with who can help you then help you. Yeah. In whatever phase you're, you're about to step into. Yeah. Yeah. You've built a massive
1: brand for yourself. And, and actually, in fact, you weren't a social media guy. I talk about branding, like your social media, your YouTube, like you're all over. And you weren't a social media guy prior, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I had, uh, I think I had a Facebook maybe, but I kept deleting it, And but I created my first Twitter account to, to uh, introduce myself to my wife and slide into her DMs, uh, and then it was through meeting her that we so kind of- share, g- share that story. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my wife is an Olympic gymnast, and um, she had met my brother in London at at the 2012 games, and she was looking to go to school at Vanderbilt. So I was like, "Well, I'll give her to her," but I had to I had to like introduce myself. Was she so from I, I created, Nashville? No, she's from Des Moines, Iowa. Oh wow! And so I had to create a Twitter account, and then like tweeted at her. She followed me, and then we I got her number, and and uh, we ended up connecting at, past that. But yeah, didn't have any social media before that. So
1: how did you build your Social media empire to what it is today, and like, when did you take that on and, and say, like, this is what I want to do, this is how I'm going to showcase my brand? It's going to be like who I am.
0: Yeah, it took five years. We've been doing it for five years now. I think maybe coming up on six this December. Uh, but slowly, like, this is something we're very familiar with as athletes. That if you have a goal in mind, like, hey, I want to be a uh, elite wide receiver. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit of time to get there. You have to do X, Y, Z. You have to run this route. You have to have this speed. And you have to have coaches and people to help you get there. So we did it over a five-year period where we, uh, again, same, same way I reached out to the special teams coaches in high school. When we first started our YouTube channel, um, which was a direct result of me not making the NFL – I was like, well, I, I don't know what else to do, and I'm trying out for teams, so I can't get a real job. I'm going to start a YouTube channel and document my wife like behind the scenes of all these cool events she gets to go to. So as soon as we started the channel, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what cameras to use. I don't know what audio to use. I, don't, I know nothing about lighting, and these are all kind of crucial factors when you're talking you're gonna about do videos. It for real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we created this whole spreadsheet of uh, YouTubers and their emails that we could find, and then we'd reach out to all of them came up with like a concept for a collab video that we could do. Then we flew all over the country uh, to meet up with them. And it was in like a three month period where we went from zero subscribers on YouTube to like 100,000, which I don't even know if that, like nowadays you got TikTok and everybody blows yeah. up so quickly, but right. that was like a big deal for us. Yeah. And so then that kind of got us going and and uh, yeah, laid the foundation.
1: What? grew into what it is today? Did you just develop a plan and stay consistent to it? Or is like what you've done on social media, like your uh, purpose, your mission, kind of changed as you've built it? Cause I think in anything you do, like when it becomes who you are and you have an audience, and especially one that's as big as yours, you have to see opportunity to truly like, whether you're promoting change or like you're trying to drive people towards like what your goal, like you have, you have opportunity to really influence people right? Yeah. Based off your following. So is there a point where you're like, we're reaching a lot of people. We actually have an opportunity to impact people's lives.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that changes by your lifestyle
1: on like how you live.
0: Right. That, that changes your perspective on and your mission. You, you kind of grow into it as things go along. We first started social media cause I had nothing else to do. And then it turned into, Hey, I really love, uh, cinematography and I love editing. Right. And then it's now changed into, what is the impact and what's our legacy going to be with this? And, and so for us now, it's like, how can we create a compelling story around family and make that the thing that people aspire to have and make that the thing that like people most desire in, in life. And like, how can we protect that for people and then like give them helpful information or or stories that, uh, that we've experienced so that they don't have to make the same mistakes we have. Uh, but like we didn't have that starting out and I don't think you do like, your appreciation for things or your perspective on things grows as you mm. progress through. Uh, Would you
1: say that's the, the purpose and mission behind all your content is family oriented? Yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we wanna encourage and uplift families in whatever, in whatever way we can. Man, that's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Was there a point where you and
1: Sean got aligned on kind of what you guys wanted to do? Because, I mean, you guys have both such massive followings. And now you just create so much content
0: oh, as co-creators. Man. Yeah, well, it's hilarious working with your wife. Right. Is, is a is a is a fun thing. Uh, also, some unique challenges. Yeah,
1: because like you're, you're it's your job. Like you're working. Right, you're, it's your wife. You're shooting with your kids, but right. like you're also just being yourself.
0: Yeah, as far as the alignment question goes, I feel like um, for her it was tough because she was on the road all the time doing events, speaking. And when I was like, "Hey, YouTube, we need to spend more time doing this because uh, I see a future in this," she had a hard time jumping over to that mindset. And so, because for her, it's like there was no celebrities on YouTube. Right. There was no celebrities. That's what I'm saying. There, like, there was, was five-year like,
1: uh, period that like you've had this substantial growth. I feel just like the whole dynamic of like, yeah, what, what's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Like, I feel like the whole. Models kind of shifted, like that. The whole landscape of how that works and like using a future with it had to have been way different five years ago than it is now. Yeah, you had to have just taken a lot more risk back then because, like, now you see a lot of people that do it that like make their living off of it. Right, back then it kind of had to have been like a. I think we're good at this. People do it, but like we're kind of taking a gamble on it.
0: Yeah, credit to my wife for I guess trusting me and also. being game for filming YouTube videos and, and posting them. I remember the first video we posted. <laughs> again, we had no clue what we were doing. We we put the camera in front of our fireplace and we like introduced who we were and we were gonna like tell how we got engaged because we were documenting like our wedding planning process. And uh, Sports Illustrated came out with an article saying like. How many pillows does Sean Johnson need in the YouTube video? And it was cause she like you know, you know throw pillows. Right. Like Sean had just kind of tried to design the set yeah. of what we were doing as best she could. And so it was like kind of this joke. But that takes humility yeah, for her to 100%. for her to make that leap when I like literally Jack Black, who Jablinsky Jablinski Games, mm-hmm. is that his YouTube channel? I think was the only other celebrity. And Sean had, you know, won Dancing with the Stars and all these awards, the teen choice like she's She's very, very highly regarded uh in that world. But for her to like uh put aside her pride and be like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna let my husband create these YouTube videos is a credit to her. And then also, like I would be remiss if I if I didn't give credit to all the people that we we reached out to. This is where the concept of team and like uh mentorship or coaching comes yeah. in, where it's like they showed us. We we linked up with this family. Um, they were called the Bertales years ago. Now they're like Nickelodeon stars. But they were making, they told us how much money they were making on YouTube. And I was like, oh, my gosh, so you can make a living doing yeah. this. And then that kind of like sparked, a, I don't know, like a realization on our mm-hmm. part or a new goal on our part. And You went on offense and you were just
1: aggressive with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's what it led to. Yeah. And so that three-month period, you took it on yourself to go and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. Let me go link up with people to show me the ropes. And now it led you to where you are now.
0: Yeah, and you should never do it. Have you, you
1: reconnected with any of those folks now? And like 100%. they've seen what you've turned into. And they're like,
0: dude. Well, now that's our community. Like That's our, that's our quote-unquote team. Those are the people that we call up and say, hey. Do you still like, co- you like
1: create people? content with those people?
0: Yeah, well, we've been traveling less because we have children now. Right. But, uh, but we'll, we're in constant communication with them. But for sure, you should not try to do social media if that's your goal or really pretty much anything else by yourself because it's just going to be a longer harder path is, yeah. is how i view it but yeah you
1: talk about social media in this day and age tiktok everything everyone wants to be an influencer of some sort yeah like that doesn't just happen overnight like talk about how you get to that point like do you have to have a purpose of what you want to kind of drive home and then just stay true to that and whatever you do like i know you've talked about how you got there but like to the general audience of of anyone who wants to be an influencer just go have a big impact on your what you share because you're a, a starting quarterback at a power 5 school and you have you know 300,000 followers like you have a big opportunity to showcase your brand yeah how do you do that effectively
0: i think you got to realize what would people listen to me talk about right like for you it's going to be football and entrepreneurship right uh, for me, it used to be football. Now it's less football and more it's, like, dad life, yeah. right? Uh, but what is, like, your uh, authority yeah. and what space is that in? Um, and then what's the best place that you can reach them? So, like, we were we were started on YouTube and then we realized, oh, there's a bunch of Sean's fans on Facebook. Uh, let's start creating content for them as well. Uh, so then, like, r- figuring out how to, how to access them and then how to speak with them too so like we have uh tried to still constantly experiment with types of videos that we're doing just to see like hey our audience really like this they didn't like this and again that's like that takes humility because you'll put out some some videos whether it's a TikTok or youtube video that are duds yeah and you're like all right you gotta swallow your pride and be like okay on the next one you get beat up a lot like by your followers like they don't like it so yeah, like, you'll, you'll take some heat from people, like, this was terrible. Don't. <laughs> but, and does that
1: happen more so, like, when you first start?
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely... Or is, that, or is
1: everyone just, like, so in love with it No, at the onset, and then they become
0: No, it's like, critics. at the start, your family and friends are like, what are you doing? You're making YouTube videos. Like, right. You're doing TikTok dances. Why are you doing that? Uh, so then it's kind of like the the circle of resistance grows from your family and friends to then, like people that you are in classes with and then people just online that you meet. But uh, yeah, that's something that you'll, you'll grow into. Wanted to give
1: you, as we wrap up here, opportunity to just give student athletes and whoever's listening to this show, just a word of advice as they kind of go through this, this process. You are an athlete. They're entering into this world now where they're an athlete, but they can also showcase who they are. And you're a guy that has, you know, made a living off showcasing who you are and your brand now these athletes can do it but using their platforms they have at wherever they are but in some cases at these you know big time you know brand known universities and they can go and monetize off it now yeah. so that's one whatever you want to say i think i think it would be awesome for you to just kind of give a word of advice on what you would say to athletes that are entering in maybe a senior in high school about to go start playing somewhere they have a massive following and now they can use it based off what they do
0: well first of all what a what an amazing opportunity yeah. right like that w- I did not have that when I was there uh, five or six years ago, and I think realizing that just like your sport, creating content if that's what you're trying to do is like you know get Instagram deals or whatever it's going to take time and th- and it do- it is a skill that you need to hone and practice, so like Olivia Dune, bro, that chick should mm. be crushing it, yeah. and sh- I think she's she probably is. doing well, but Seven she, figures she, she already. Needs, yeah.
1: Since
0: July one. That's great. Yeah. But she needs like to be honest with you, she posted a branded deal the other day where it was just like a picture of her like sitting with the product. She needs practice of right. how do you actually create compelling content. And that's not like maybe for her that is yeah. a picture, or but maybe for for another person it's like a highly produced video. Yeah. Or a trick shot or whatever that is. And that's gonna take practice to understand that and to, to get good at it. So there's that. And then also <clears throat> I think don't uh you got to approach it from the right angle. So there is going to be a bunch of cash grabs and I'm I, I don't know how that's panning out right now, but don't sacrifice uh, the practice just for the for the quick cash cuz mm. if you do it right and if you're strategic and you say, "Hey, you know what? I'm not going to take this deal because it it like violates my audience or in whatever sense, but you're like, "I will do this." Because it allows me to, to continue this practice and get good and build the foundation for creating videos or getting good at storytelling, um, then it sets yourself up for more success. Do you in think the future. it's
1: important with that that what you're posting and what deals you get and who you represent is uniquely like aligned with you and you're passionate about that product or passionate about that brand? Is yeah. that is that it truly important, or sometimes is it man? It's a, it's a great deal they're giving me like. I'm getting paid well. I'm getting great product. Like, I don't really use this this brand much, but like, yeah, I'll rep it.
0: Yeah, have, have, I mean, have you ever seen an ad where you know that person is just? Well, I
1: mean, I, I just I've seen guys already, like in the last three four months since NIL's been a thing, like get hit up by these brands and like they've never used the brand before, like right. they don't even know what it is, but they're like, man, they're offering me pretty good money, like they're giving me free product. Is that important though in the in the long term to associate your name and your personal brand with them as a company and national brand?
0: Yeah, I think it's the most important thing, for sure. 100% yeah. is understanding.
1: Because, guys, I mean, serious. I mean, you know, we were both in college. I mean, you have, you have someone hit you up and offer you 1000 bucks here, 1000 bucks there to take a freaking picture. Like, who like what athlete at 18, 19, 20 years old is going to say no to that? Right. But they also have opportunity to go and play in the league for 10, 12 years, and they go build this brand, and then, boom, you have this brand associated with you, and then they're going to keep capitalizing off that. But I think when you start off that young and you you rep it and it becomes who you are, it carries with you.
0: I think you have to view everything from a a storyteller's angle, right? So like if if you're playing college football and you're the starting long snapper, I was able to tell a story around that in my experience doing that. Or if you're the starting quarterback at Alabama, you're going to have a way easier time telling a story that people want to listen to. And part of that is... Uh, is maintaining your authority as a storyteller and not undermining that by like throwing garbage at your audience. And then also realizing, and this is where we've been fortunate because we only do video, but like when you're talking about a product, that fits into your story, right? So like how can you find products that are, are natural to your story? And how can you then tell, a, like, get, tell a, a compelling story that's natural to your audience around that? So like if you view it from a, hey, this is part of the story, then I think it kind of, for me, organizes things. And like, you, you're able to say no to a lot of, like we, we'll never talk about uh, the stuff that Barstool Sports talks about, right. right? Like all the alcohol partying yeah. stuff, that's just not our story. Right. It's not natural to us, nor is it natural to right. our audience. Right. So like approach it from that angle. Man,
1: well, cool. yeah. this has been special. What a treat having you in today. Thank you for joining us. Mr. Andrew Reese, check him out on all of his various platforms, he's hard to miss. But thank you for joining us for another episode of the Invest in You show live from the Outsider Studios. Thanks so much for listening to the Invest in You podcast by On3 Sports. We look forward to our new episode releasing next week. In the meantime, follow along with us on social media at On3NILU.